Now it's Marner looking for Tavares. Nylander's in front of the net, and he scores! Wee Willie Nylander is tied the game! Two seconds left, and the horn will signal a dramatic come-from-behind win in Stockholm, led by the super Swede himself, William Nylander. Nylander working it on the left wing. Nylander driving the net, and a goal he scores! Holy Mackinac, Willie, have a trip to Sweden! The Leafs win it in overtime, and the streak continues, and the Leafs streak continues. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan band, and it's Brent Gunning. Here's oh. my... Here's my assumption. William Nylander prefers to be called Willie Styles as opposed to Wee Willie Nylander. I was actually wondering if that was a stipulation in the next contract that that gets cut. God love <laughs> Joe, but I think if he had his druthers, that would maybe not be the call. Also, I will say, highly doubt William Nylander cares about uh, such things. But if he if he has an opinion, I, I would imagine he prefers Willie Styles. Can I just say... Oh, my God, how good does it feel, everybody? Now, we have to get back into the doldrum of no Leafs hockey, but we're not going to start there. How good did it feel? Forget about the results. Forget about the puck drop times. Just how good did it feel to have Leafs hockey back in our lives after the long, dark, cold winter that was last week? Yeah, it felt really good. Yeah, so good. I really... I really dug the 8 o'clock in the morning start on a Sunday, honestly. Hated it personally, and if they ever do that to me again, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to subject you all to endless hours of complaining about no, it. I mean, that's it's already all... happened. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> again, you mean? Yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. If they like, if they do this to me again, uh, you'll all have to hear about it, but we can move on. Mm-hmm. I did not like it. I know a lot of people, it, it felt very polarizing, I'd say. 2 p.m. was a little different. It was like you were liking it and watched it, or it was, you know, you were at work. 8 a.m., a little different. Felt polarizing. I saw a lot of people saying, ooh, I love this. Love coffee, hockey. This yeah. is great. Um, me, I had child rearing and yeah, running so you're around up anyways. No, no. Oh, I see, but you're not you're not engaged fully. Oh, by the way, you're wearing your NHL hat. I didn't I I don't mm-hmm. think like while we've been sitting in the same yeah. room for 30 minutes, I don't think I've looked at you until this very moment. No, because I was just yelling at you about uh, the Blue Jays having to insert themselves into my my leaf in NFL Monday. Uh, yeah. And then, I don't know, I felt like that made you mad. So very you just, Rob Lowe. Yeah. Rob Lowe, protect the shield. Yeah, good for you. I'm well, going to criticize the shield a lot, so I have to protect it. I don't know. Well. They we, we wondered how this team would look against a couple of teams playing on the back half of back-to-backs. It was not a Picasso Mm-mm. by any stretch of the imagination. Although it's it's funny that Picasso is the, the name we get uh, tossed. Yeah. Like Picasso's, Go look at his work. I've mean, seen it, people. <laughs> it's actually I those feel kind like of my work. eight-year-old could do oh, something I, that okay. resembles a Picasso. I'm, I'm actually not going there. I was going to say that it's like those kind of did resemble Picasso's yes. at the end. You yeah, got that's what you what wanted. I, that's like, what oh, I mean. Yeah. No, but see, I'm not. I'm not going as far as like an eight year old could do. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, you don't like that. my Picasso slander? No, I don't. I won't stand wow, for it. Wow, defending the shield. Big Picasso. You know, I'm really. I'm just really big on the blue period cubism as well. Yeah, cubism. That's huh. that. Yeah, that did look a lot like cubism. <laughs> all right, Maple Leafs. They've now won four straight. They take all four points on the road. Both games were technically road games don't, against the Red don't Wings. Don't you and, dare and use air quotes for on the road. Like, on the road. It's as much on the road as it could possibly be. It's they true. went across an ocean. Uh, William Nylander, though, the the 
biggest takeaway of the two games in yep. his native land, five points, pair of goals. His season opening point streak is now 17 games. Boy, man, I, I wondered how high the hype, cr- uh, like how um, crowded the hype train could, mm-hmm. could get. And we're at max capacity now, it yep. feels like. Yeah, I, this is, you know, it's funny because we had, we had all, all of our, you know, regular Leafs guests on leading up into it. And that did seem to be the prevailing sentiment of, I wonder if this is a coming out party for Willie. Is this a coming out party for Willie? Is this the time when he feels like a true star? And I'll be honest, I kind of squinted when I heard that or had my head a little askew because I didn't know how much more of a star he could feel like, but, and I don't think it changes my opinion of him or how big a deal he feels like, but it'd be ridiculous to say that this week didn't do something for him, not nudge him up another level, just to the point you raised last week, allow him to feel like the lead guy, not one of the Beatles, but got to be like Lennon or McCartney this week, right? He wasn't Ringo banging away on the drums. He got to be one of the front men of the band this week. And I just think that it was a great experience for him. And just because of the, I mean, oddity and curiosity for lack of a better term that these games were for, again, like we're bogged down of how we feel about it here or how I feel about it. But from an outside perspective, you know, your national writers, your ESPN people, they're looking at those games and going, Oh my goodness, what a coming out party. You throw in the storytelling aspect of his home country. It's got a thousand family members, his grandma's in the stand. It was awesome. His ha- grandma who, by the way, not that old, Willie. Well, it made maybe. me feel a thousand years old. Well, one, if, if grandma Nylander is like over 90, she's the, the, I mean, yeah. I need to, understand what her health routine is but here's my guess is that grandma nylander is like maybe early 80s but more likely like late 70s and william nylander looks at somebody who's 40 and is like you're the oldest person that ever lived yes i expected to see grandma nylander like on a respirator yes grandma nylander looked like in better shape than me you expected them to flash to a suite somewhere and there's like an iron lung just with like a Nylander on it. Yeah, that's right. like, but, and I did too. I mean, I think part of it as well is just like, look at, look at William Nylander himself. Like, right. Those are good, good genes. genes. I think good genes. going to age yeah. pretty well. I would imagine it would for him as well. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of grandparent talk. I know on the broadcast yesterday, like Yol Erickson X grandma yeah. was getting a lot that of. That was like, his grandma. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, we can confirm, confirm. Yeah. also, you know, I don't need so much Joel Erickson X grandma talk on a Leafs regional broadcast, but that's neither here nor there. That's well, just my own quibble. We can move on. Yep. Uh, okay. We'll maybe circle back around to grandma talk, but it's quite possible. That's the end of grandma talk for today. Um, all right, so let me be clear here. No, we'll we'll do more grandma talk when Austin Matthews threatens me with where he thinks they should go next, but we'll talk about that later because right, we're trying to be positive simmer right down. now. That's like, yeah, we don't need to be talking about that. <laughs> After Leafs take four points, they've, uh, they've won four in a row. And William Nylander experiences the best possible scenario for him headed to free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but it must also be said it's the worst-case scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Brad for a living. So, like, the, the positive first, right? Obviously, yeah. William Nylander was going to get paid either way, but this is taking True. it to another stratosphere. 17-game point streak, one point back of the Art Ross lead. Um, he's 
put in a situation where he is, as you mentioned, Lennon and McCartney over these two games over this week span Mm -hmm. and absorbs all the attention and plays two of his best games of the entire season. And Sheldon Keefe mentioned it after the game. This is what happens to William Nylander. The spotlight gets bright and he's at his best. We've seen this in the postseason. It's great for him. It's well-deserved for him. But you got to think, like, Brad True Living's like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? Like, the number was going to be astronomical either way, right? And and more than than he would be willing to pay or maybe comfortable paying. Yeah. But but what's happened here is, like, of course he wants him to do well. He wants the team to win. And he'd yeah. rather take the four points with William Nylander exploding the market than, yeah, this Leafs team to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he also does have the other thing where he's got to figure out a contract for a first-round pick, a homegrown superstar, a guy that's a huge part of what the Leafs are doing this season, and he looks at these 17 games, and it's the best 17 games of his entire career in a walk year. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what went through my head. I don't think this is the way Brad Treliving thought about it, but I'd be honest, or I'd be lying to you if if I told you anything different went through my head than this. The Leafs should really plan these trips for the year after guys have their walk here. <laughs> yeah. no, like I'm half, I'm half joking. Yeah. But if imagine the conversation of hey, like hey, hey uh, Nylander, hey your agent, we just want to check in, have our quarterly check in, see where we're at on the contract negotiations. Uh, so we were thinking eight times X. And they go, ooh, we don't like that. Ah, but what if? We have this trip to Sweden next year laid out in front of you, and the Leafs will be taking it one way or another. And, hey, if you want to go be a wild, I've heard they might go be there too. Oh, but the wild. Leafs are good. Again, because so it is dumb. That's why. It's that. I'm a wild. I'm a wild. Yeah, great. <laughs> Talk to Devin Dubnik about that, how he feels about re- referring to himself as such whenever we get him on again. But I honestly did wonder if that should be away and i know these things are so thought out of so far ahead mm-hmm. of time but you're the leafs like we always talk about okay the cap is the cap is the cap you can't do anything but you go give mike babcock a coach resetting deal in the market because that doesn't count against your cap you can give brandon shanahan who lord knows what he gets and guess what you're president of the leafs you probably should be pretty well compensated they can go they could have paid kyle dubas whatever they wanted they can pay brad for living whatever they want like there are certain things that the cap doesn't affect and the other part of this as well is i don't want any part of this but this is what happens when you're one of these blue blood franchises you're the cowboys you're the yankees of hockey you're going to be involved in these games and if you can go to the nhl and say hey Help us play ball a little bit here. Can we schedule it? <laughs> why, why not? The league, the the league has gone to the wow, Leafs and you, say, yeah. "Hey, help us play ball here." Mm-hmm. The, hey, this Amazon series would really help pump up interest mm-hmm. in the league and put some money in the coffers. Can mm-hmm. you do it? And other people will surely follow suit. Oh, yes, now I understand why you're wearing the the NHL. Hat. No, I actually, like you're appealing directly. I, no, to I didn't the plan. I didn't plan to go there. But <laughs> I'd be I'd be lying to you if I thought for a second that boy, could you imagine the carrot? It would be mm-hmm. if this Sweden trip was next year. Hey, Willie, like, do what you want contractually. Do you really think that that's worth even like $10,000 in negotiations to William Nylander? Because I don't. A, it's I, not I, a, like, no, no, as no. much as he enjoyed it, do it's, you think like. It's not a money, it's not a money issue. It's yeah. a like, it's more, further forcing the decision of do you want to be here and play where it matters uh-huh. or do you want to be 
I won't do it again. Do you yeah. want to be a shark? But that's what I. That's when a, you are a, here and you're in a place that matters. It's. I mean, that was the whole reason we questioned why they were on the road traveling to Sweden in the first place, right? Like, I don't know. Are you doing two things at once here? If you want to be on the team that matters, yes. generally, yeah, you're you're you haven't historically been the team that's been going to Europe. This is why it was yep. shocking to see yes. that Le- the Leafs were part of this trip. I understand what you're saying, but I also understand that. I think William Nylander and his representation, um, maybe that's a nice little carrot to dangle, and maybe that's like a little accoutrement mm. at the end there, but uh, this guy's going to maximize. I go the other way. It's an amuse-bouche to get you ready to, yeah. to do the contract, <laughs> actually. He's he's going to try and maximize his earning potential, um, and if, well, well I mean, that's, if, he, if he's going to absolutely maximize his earning potential, he won't be a Toronto Maple Leaf. But I was going back also through the Leafs' history of first-round picks, yep. of homegrown superstars. Yep. I mean, the list of guys that have departed by a free agency is it's a big old zero. Mm-hmm. Like you do not become a star with the no. Toronto Maple Leafs drafted and developed and Levi free agency. Now yeah. sometimes we you trade get traded. You for Matt yeah, Sundin. exactly. That's what, so do they have a guy? <laughs> do they have one of those floating around somewhere? Because yeah. I, I wouldn't. I'm I'm not saying trade Willie, but I'm saying if you had to to trade it's, him for a Matt Sundin. I mean, nice. uh, yeah. Just we're we're gonna swing back around to this, and it, it is. It is the story of the the Leaf season so far. William Nylander, how close to Austin Matthews he feels as far as importance to this mm-hmm. team right now. But it's just <laughs> poor Bradshaw living. I mean, not poor Bradshaw living because the, the the other thing is the this Leafs team, unlike the Oilers, unlike the Flames, I, I can't say unlike the Senators yeah. now because the Senators are also picking up uh, some points uh, mm-hmm. in Sweden. They haven't yet played at their best, but are still racking up points. So, I mean, yeah, that, that removes a level, a level of pressure that, totally. that very much existed four games ago. Yeah, I remember the conversation around this team and, yeah, coming uh, or fending off a comeback from the, the Flames and mm-hmm. winning in a shootout and then holding the fort against the Canucks and maybe their best 60-minute performance of the season. Punching the fort. And then coming back against the Red Wings and, yeah, holding – down the fort in overtime, I guess, against the Wild. Like, this is a team that's able to put together wins when they're not necessarily at their best. So not poor Brad for living in that respect, but poor Brad for living when you talk about the two, or two of the four mm-hmm. acquisitions this season being out of the lineup and the Leafs being in the Who? midst of this. Whom could have foreseen this? <laughs> Whom? He, uh, yeah, those, those two guys are on the sidelines while the Leafs are going through this four-game winning streak. And also... Yeah, the William Nylander thing. Like, it's just, if if he had any leg to stand on, it yeah. would have been like, you're not, listen, I know you want to be paid like yeah. Mitch Marner and closer to Austin Matthews, but let's be honest here, Willie. You're, you're not thing. those guys, right? You're just, I know you scored 40 goals a season ago, but and, and you've had great postseason performances, but it, those are those guys, and you're this guy. And now he's also those guys. Like, yeah. it, it couldn't have gone worse as far as a negotiating Standpoint is concerned for Brad for living here the first 17 games. Yeah, it's almost like Willie heard that and said, okay, all right, that's no, that's fair. 40 is 40. How's 50? Do you like that? <laughs> do you like, what, can you we like have a conversation uh, about that? And I want to be clear, this isn't directed at you. I don't want to make a point of doing oh, this all that often. Getting ready to be defensive. You should. Go ahead. You, well, I'm, I'm kind of being defensive uh, for somebody who may or may not need it and people in this market may or may want to hear it. If you're going to say... Poor Brad for living. There's just a lot of things you need to say poor former Leafs executive for. And if you were not really in the business of doing that, 
I don't think we should be saying poor Brad for living about two mistakes that he made. Yeah. Six. And again, I'm no, not no, saying no. that. And that's why yeah, I started I didn't say it off poor with, Kyle Dubas. Oh, Peter Morazic stank. No, oh, poor, poor Kyle Dubas. You know, if you're, if you, if you're someone who rolls your <laughs> eyes, no, no, Nick Ritchie didn't stick on the first line. What I mean by that is if you're somebody who heard, Oh, the cap went flat and you went, Oh, grow up. Who cares? Live <laughs> yeah. with the world you live in. No. You don't, you don't get to do both. I know. So. I did say poor Kyle Dubas in that regard. And, and that's, and I, just again, like I don't think I'm we consistent need to prove- on this, Brent. Okay, uh, that's why I said very consistent. That's why I literally started it with <laughs> I'm not having this as a direct shot at you. This is like last week when we posted the video of us talking about Shohei, and the clip we posted literally starts with "Let me preface this with I don't think he's signing here," and all the responses are oh, typical clown media talking themselves into this. Mm. So yeah, just like. Again, not directed at you. Well, listen even... to the words coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and even me, yeah. Poor Brad for living. Again, would you rather have two elite goal scorer point producers? Yes. Than one and a half? Like pretty clearly. And the yeah. worst the worst part is though, is that if he lets him walk. It, we just get to, to immediately tie it to Goudreau and everything that happened there. Like, I'm not going to do that because mm. they're very different scenarios and it was a team that ready to win versus whatever was going on with that Flames team. But it is such a recent scar. Yeah. And I think it's a very different circumstance. Guy who didn't want to be in a place, guy who very much would love to be in a place and Goudreau one, Nylander the other. But yeah, it's uh But you would have thought that that would have informed him and he would have done whatever it took to re-sign William Nylander. So again, I'm going to be consistent here. A lot of the conversations we had about the Austin Matthews first deal, and I can't believe we're doing this over again, is why didn't he look him in the eye and tell him, be a big boy and sign your eight-year deal? Well, because I don't really think he was in the business of doing that. And I think there's very much a world where William Nylander, short of the offer in the summer, starting with... 10, 5, 11, where he's going, I'm I'm good. We'll just have this conversation throughout the year, man. I'm not worried about this. So I with you. I think there is a world where maybe True Living could have pushed a little, especially knowing what or if we knew what was coming here. But I also think Nylander was a guy totally comfortable and probably honestly wanting this to bleed into the season and maybe into next summer. I I'm gonna be honest. I did think about the preseason number. And what it could like there was obviously a number that Brad for Living can yes. come to the table with and William's like, you know what? That's, yeah, that's great. Good. Yeah. yeah. Like, and maybe it's only like ten. It right? might have been. Honestly, it's it is it's entirely possible. And if the plan is to at least attempt to sign William Nylander, right? Yeah. Like, and the plan all along wasn't just, hey man, we we just can't fit it into our cap structure and and we'll just play it out and mm-hmm. hope like hell that we win a Stanley Cup or that William Nylander just decides to take less, even though every, right. nobody else did. But if there was a number mm-hmm. and it was somewhere in and around 10 and you were open to that possibility, you, you've screwed up in a major way. Like yeah. that's that's And that's not poor Brad for living. That's no. you screwed up Brad for living. And that will go down in the annals as one of the, the worst moves in your tenure here as a Toronto Maple Leaf if William Nylander departs. Yeah, I... I don't disagree, but I just to see the other side of it here, it's like I can only imagine Treliving, all the conversations he had with Shanahan. And you know those conversations centered around what was done here and the idea of contract negotiations. And it has been a very popular ballywick among this fan base that, hey, once you get a hockeyman in here, he's going to look these guys in the eye and tell them they can't have all their cookies until they go win something. Uh-huh. And so the idea of it wouldn't be his first thing, again, the first two things he did 
were signed Ryan Reeves and uh -huh. John Klingberg. So mm -hmm. I don't know that it could have been worse than if it was the first thing. But can you imagine the reaction if on July 3, Treliving hands 8 times 10 to William Nylander? It's like... Why didn't we just keep the glasses guy here who gives them all everything they want? It's true. And hey, hey, this is part of being a GM, of mm -hmm. not going with perception, making 100%. a move that you wholly believe in. But this is all part of changing the GM at this point in time. Like, again, I don't know how happy Kyle Dubas would have been to say, all right, eight times whatever it, it takes. But it was, a it was a GM who had much more comfortability with the player because he, I mean, he didn't draft him, but he'd been with him the whole time. Treliving, to his credit, is like, I'm just getting here. I saw everything you saw last year. I heard everything that you guys were saying in all the years leading up to that. So I can understand him being a little gun shy. But, I mean, in hindsight, how can you not say that? If, oh, if, yeah. if yeah. that was a possibility. Yeah. And I... I don't know. I I don't know. Well, remember that eight, how? Ten. Remember how outrageous ten felt like during the preseason conversations. Yeah, but no one heard boo. But no one heard boo from Nylander's camp, oh, right? No. Like, we still haven't. It's him. It's talking. That's fine. Like we haven't. So I I don't know that ten. Like ten would have been outrageous. But for Nylander, he's sitting there going, "Go look at everyone I'm competing with. Yeah. It's it's Steven Stamkos and a restricted free agent Pedersen. Yeah, somebody's giving me ten. So we can again, we can wait and do this after I have in his mind's eye. I'm sure. I don't think he thought this was coming, but I thought he thought another Maybe, big though. season was coming. Maybe he thought this was coming again. A guy I, that I given put, again. I, you're right. I should put myself not in my own headspace, being like, no, surely in, I won't improve in no, my twenties. You should put yourself in like <laughs> what appears to be the most confident person on planet Earth. I actually, hmm, we should have done that. Latin. We got a whole leafless week coming up here. Confidence, confident, most confident man in sport power ranking. Yes. William Nylander is terrifyingly high. <laughs> he really is. I would actually love to do that list and just show it to your average American sports fan where they're like, who's that guy? Yeah. And why is he above the ghost of Cam Newton? What's happening here? Um, all right. A, a couple more things from the weekend. Uh, leap, leap wise. Mm, gladly. You want to do Matt Sundin here? You want to talk about the games? I mean, again, we're, we're going to have three hours to do Leafs today, and we're going to have a whole week leading up to, to Friday's 2 o'clock game. I'd like, to, I'd like to just get my quick stance on what we can and can't take away from Go that ahead. games, uh, or those two games. What we can take away is what we said about William Nylander. All that's true. It happened. It was not a mirage, and I think that's about it. I think everything else from those games is more or less – complete write-off. I don't feel any differently about the goaltending than I did 700 years ago when they last played before mm -hmm. this. I don't feel it's any fine. differently. Exactly. I don't feel any differently about the top line. Although you can beat Joseph Wall from distance, it feels like now. It, it does, but again, I'm not I'm not reading anything into one guy's first start in a week on a different continent when yada, yada, yada. You've heard me mm -hmm. complain ad, ad nauseum. I really just think that those games were such write-offs and that's not to say you're not happy that they didn't get the points of course that's all that matters and honestly that is the, if the Leafs could play in a worldwide league where everybody was kind of jet-lagged and a little disoriented they would be the greatest team of all time because that's kind of how they're constructed of just okay time to turn it on right. and Nylander was able to do it in spades yeah. this week when but, you have top-end talent yeah it was uh so really that's that was honestly my kind of big takeaway from the game is just how little there was to take away there were interesting it was 
amazing to see them back. Uh, I liked the blue helmets with the white jerseys. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I would. I went from loving them to seeing them in the first game and going, mm, something looks off. And then by Sunday morning, no, I'm, I was, I'm down with it. I too. was back. I was back to loving it. I'd like that if that was like a. Uh, like Sundays or something like every, if they play on a Sunday, they do that. But from the games as a whole, I just really don't know what more to take away. It's more about the people who didn't play in them than the people who did. Yeah. Honestly. I would say if there's one, maybe two takeaways, Tyler Bertuzzi is finally found a yep. home. It feels That's like very nice. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. Third line and the fourth line, honestly taking a, a bit of a step back. I mean, as far as deployment it was shocking to see how little Max Tomey and Nick mm-hmm. Robertson were deployed uh, yesterday against the Minnesota Wild. But I think you're generally correct that, yeah, as far as, hey, what what's going to carry over from these games? And also, I did see a couple of scrums as well. So mm-hmm. maybe we're back to this yeah, team defending itself. That is true. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's going to be massive carryovers, especially, again, they don't play uh, until Friday afternoon. All right, Matt Sundin. Yeah, for, just let me sit on that for one second. Leafs first game back uh-huh. after this evil Sweden trip. Friday uh-huh. afternoon uh-huh. at 2 p.m. Uh-huh. when most people who are fans of this hockey club mm. are working. Not me, though. No, I know. You You actually aren't even working. I'm not even morning. working that morning. So yeah. I can start pre-gaming very early. Um, so Matt Sundin didn't do, his, didn't do a press conference? No. But it's, you know what? <sighs> yeah, using the Matt Sundin bar, like, did a lot. He was around. He dropped around. the puck. He read the lineups. He handed out Rolexes. By the way, Morgan Riley okay. like has to be. <laughs> yeah. Can we? Okay. So a couple, a couple of things from that. One, Matt's walking out at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, give the fist, fist bump. bump to the yeah. boy. Oh my God! Get him back on the bench. I'm so, like, please Make come. Us proud boys. I, I also like no, that. I, I loved all of it. I loved every every second of it. But I. Need to know who is picking players of the game, well, stars, however this works. I think works. they just didn't want to give well, Willie why? two why Rolexes. Not? What, He's what got it, two hands, so what, why, why not? What it, uh, something, t- something tells me that wasn't William's first Rolex. <laughs> something something tells me, but why not? Like yeah, The whole point nah, of the I'm trip is Swedish propaganda. You might as well have given it to John Klingberg, who didn't even dress in the games, honestly, at this point in time. Like, the whole about point. about Jan Kruk or yeah. William Lagerson? Yeah, uh, the, he is Jan Kruk now, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Matt Sundin says it, and the people of Sweden, I'm, I'm assuming as well. Uh, I will gladly uh, follow them along. But, yeah, that was weird that they gave it to Willie. I guess you're right, like spread the love a little bit, but mm-hmm. but don't. Well, also, it's not like Morgan Riley wasn't deserving. Like, he was a good, like, he played, what, almost 30 minutes <laughs> yeah, in the but, hockey game? But who cares? It's yes. a nothing game. Yes. And William Nylander scored the OT winner. Just yeah. give him the damn watch. It's like, just a it regular should... season game, too. Like, I didn't know yeah. we were all, like, lining up at the blue lines at the end of a normal regular season game, which uh, is a little bizarre. It was a little bizarre. I also, um, uh, this is from the Friday pregame mm-hmm. when Sundin gave the speech. Mm-hmm. It was... And, you know, I know Sheldon Keefe would have given the boys a little like, hey, Sweden's really important to us because of all the great players mm-hmm. we have. Let's bring in Mats. But it was so apparent that the Leafs camera crew was in the room as Sheldon Keefe was mm-hmm. like, like, did I know, he, that's so awkward. Did he get in the, like, did he call Daniel Day-Lewis to be like, or, or Will Arnett, <laughs> I guess that'd be the actor he has, like, the, the closest. He loved his line a little bit. He like, it did, wasn't, it wasn't like, the you, most no, you beautiful could, delivery. You could tell, though, he's like, damn it, I gotta do, like, a speech here for the camera. <laughs> and then Sundin coming in mm. with the most sullen granddad 
who's like seen some things in the war energy. And the he's cardigan, like, the black well, cardigan. So it looked he like looked, he was dressed for a funeral, it, honestly. On, well, and he comes in wearing this like, yeah, cardigan jacket. Like it's like, this is a suit jacket, but it's made of sweater material because I'm <laughs> retired. I cannot believe you made me dress up for this. And yeah. then again, it's like, and you know, to hear you hear the, the stories from his teammates. He was never the biggest, like, give us speech guy. He was going to go out there and play, you know, 35 amazing shifts in a game and get on his back that way. But it was just so funny to see him come in and he kind of ducks his way into the yeah. room. And I okay. know, yeah, you're doing that yeah. hand thing, but I know, you're right. So that's awkward. awkward. And then, like, and then it ending in a our way. Again, I will, I will always give Keith credit for this of a guy who just gets it of, Obviously, you start the Swede you got an honorary Swede now, I think, because he got to start the game and he got player of the game, yeah, Morgan man. Riley. Yeah. And then Max, Max. Domi, his, like, uh, his nephew or mm-hmm. son or whatever you want to look at it there, uh, who he knows well. And just seeing the grin on, on Domi's face, it, it was awesome. And yeah. again, should you do this in the middle of an NHL season? For me personally, no, I don't think you should. But if you're going to do it, mm-hmm. do it this way. Like, understand it. And the fact that Matt's did seem to be more a part of it, and I'll be honest, just that fist bump of, yeah. oh, yeah, after they won, that's all I needed to see. I'm a little dubious that this is, like, some crux point, some some pivot point in his relationship with the team. Like, yeah, I, it, w- it would have been quite – it's one thing, and honestly, <laughs> quite a thing that, yeah, we don't talk about enough, that Matt didn't show up for his jersey retirement, right? That, that mm-hmm. he's just – there's been times where, yeah, he could have easily shown – his statue on Legends Row, like, yes. didn't show up for that. It would have been quite another for – for the Leafs to show up 20 minutes from his house and him to be like, thanks, but no thanks. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously he was going to show up for this. And also, like, did he need a reminder that he has legendary status within the organization with the current players, with the fan base? Like, did he need that reminder? I'm not necessarily sure, I but think, maybe I think it he feels did. like okay. he did. Uh, if he did, then maybe that's the argument you would make. I think it did feel that way. I mean, again, shocking we, we for a guy that was a captain through, you know, the most successful postseason runs that this team has had in the last 30 years. Yeah. People remember, you know, you'd love to think, and boy, am I as guilty of this as anybody in the world. You'd love to think you remember the great things people say about you. Right. But generally yeah, speaking, the negative the ones negative stick one. in your mind. It's a great point. Actually. You see the way he left here. And again, I have said it ad nauseum. You know, I was, I was, you know, a relative child when everything happened with the no trade clause. And guess what? Went back, relitigated it all, still feel the exact same way it did mm-hmm. now. He gets to do whatever he wants. He gets to write his own ticket as a leaf because of everything he did. And I don't think this is going to be some mass thawing where all of a sudden Matt Sundin is a part of the org through and through. Again, I think he likes his life in Sweden. Yeah, He's got, got young children. Young children. He wants to do that. I do think this opens a door to maybe, hey, okay, you know what? Next 10 years of your life are spoken for, man. You got young kids, go do that. But if you ever have the itch for whatever world, whatever part of hockey interests you, please, please come back into the fold. And the other thing is, is that I don't think it always has to be a, you know, we're always going to look right down the highway in Ottawa and say, okay, there's their legend. He's, you know, he's he's speaking at press conferences with the new Prez of Hockey Ops. Like Lives he is, in Ottawa, though. Yeah, he's so, well, and that's the thing. He's so entwined that you're going to see that and go, oh, I wish it was this way. I think you have to look at it much more of a, and I don't think it was nearly as a much a stress relationship, but look at it like a Keon thing. He came back. He shook hands. Everybody's good. No one sits here being like, why isn't Dave? And I understand there's age as a part of this, but no one sits here going like, we need Dave Keon more involved. 
you brought him back in the fold. Yeah. It's like a family reunion. Like yeah. he he's part of it now. And well, when you have a reunion, I imagine he's going to come back. And the other thing I will say about this, and I can't believe I'm willing to let myself dream, but he's for sure going to be a part of it when the Leafs have their secondary Stanley Cup parade in Sweden because this Sweden... That, simmer that, down. Well, that's actually the only way that this trip can ever prove to be good for me is everyone's telling me right now, like, oh, the vibes are off the chart. The team feels so good. And it's like, all right, continue it when you get back here. And honestly, it's like, maybe that's it. It's like, Willie takes... Willie goes over to Sweden. It's like, there's maybe a little bit more of a relationship there than there's been in the past. You saw him kind of arm in arm with them a lot mm-hmm. this week. So I think it's just a... That's actually the way I look at it is almost like, and I don't know that it was quite this point, but like an estranged relative of like, hey, you know, what there was some awkward stuff yeah. things were said maybe we still feel some of those things but guess what you're gonna come to christmas yes i am that's yeah, kind of the yeah. way that's kind of the way i look at it yeah and the bar was super low for him so what we got while it felt limited compared to daniel alfredson was yeah super meaningful like i said with him he is the man of mystery and at least for one week mm-hmm. not not so much um and we'll always we'll always have that fist pump now we can just gif uh, yeah. On Twitter, after Big Leaf wins, of yes, let's That's go, right. boys. Make us proud, boys. Make us proud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a jam-packed show today. There's so much we haven't gotten to. By which I mean, we've only done Leafs for 30 minutes, which was understandable. Played a couple of games over the weekend, but the the Raptors pounded uh, the Pistons into sand because Dwayne Casey wasn't on the bench, uh, so they're allowed to beat the Pistons mm-hmm. now. And boy, did they ever! Uh, also, is Alec Manoa going to be on the move this off season? Ken Rosenthal has a report that indicates, yeah, maybe. We'll talk about that more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning. Here's what we learned over the weekend. God, Matt Sundin. He looks like, I mean, a little old, but he still still has that presence about him. I just saw him on my on my television screen of him walking on the ice with his family. God. We didn't learn that. We already knew that. No, I mean, we relearned it, though. God, I love that man. Here's what we learned. Raptors not as good as the Celtics. Mm, I. Uh, you want to talk about things we already knew but much better than the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, so, so like there's a, like a large swath of basketball teams in the middle there, but we know <laughs> good for Grange to, to point it out that there were discussions earlier on this season that, Hey, is this rapper sheet like really, really bad? Yep. And they're not that bad, right? Like they might be a play-in team, but they're not Detroit Pistons level bad. I would hope. Yeah, no, they they absolutely destroyed the Pistons yesterday, uh, set a franchise record for most points in a home game with 142, 44 assists, most any team has had in a game this season. Also a franchise record. Okay, Brent, is this an acceptable result to be better than the dregs of the league, not as good as the top of the league. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, they have beaten the Bucks once this season, but they've lost twice to the Sixers, yeah. and they've now lost twice to the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Is that an acceptable result for a team that won 41 games a season ago, doesn't have its first-round pick? 
Well, really, it all depends on how you phrase it, right? If you just give me the roster and say, is that where this team should be? Yes, agreed. That's where this team should be. They don't have their first round pick. It's top six protected. So you've got to either be really, really bad or at least some modicum of good. And when I look at this team that, yeah, that's exactly kind of where they should be. They got their doors blown off the last time they played the Celtics. You know, it seemed like, or, and I don't mean the game on Friday. I mean, the first meeting this, this season. And it felt like it was close for a few minutes, but then the Celtics just slowly pulled away. I think that that's what you want to see from this team is the ability to hold your own. Now, is this the place I would be going with the franchise? No, but the, the, that decision was made when they made their, I can't believe it. we have to phrase it this way, but the decision with the, where this franchise was going was made once they made their Jakob Pirtle trade. So I think that that's a result you should be totally fine with, a hard-fought loss against a Celtics team. Again, not the way I'd be going about it, but with the way they are, yeah, I think that's a pretty good weekend, all things considered. I agree that it's, Perfectly acceptable to lose to a team that has legitimate title aspirations in Boston, but you can't be losing to the Bulls and Trailblazers anymore. Like, that stuff mm-hmm. is done. Like, it's in the rearview mirror. I, I have bad news for you. I, I actually he, don't think that's true, but it should be. I just don't think Okay, it is. so here's 10 of their next 11 are all against the middle class of the NBA. Big stretch. Okay, they got Orlando, Indiana, Chicago, Cleveland, Brooklyn, and then the outlier is Phoenix, despite the fact that they're only 500 this season. Mm -hmm. New York, New York, Atlanta, Atlanta, Charlotte. Before uh, December 20th, they play the defending champion uh, Denver Nuggets. So, like, yeah, you better come out of this stretch well above 500. Then it's acceptable. Because, yeah, if you you are better than the middle class, like if you're the top of the middle class, Mm -hmm. that's, that's fine. Nobody thinks that you're a title contender. Nobody expects you to be a title contender. Maybe, maybe one guy or he wouldn't trade the first round pick. I, I or, you sorry, really think, sorry, two. No, no, but do you really think that even in his heart of hearts, Masai Ujiri or no. Bobby Webster thought that, hey, man, we get a new head coach in here and we figure it out. By the way, yeah, they figured it out offensively yesterday. I haven't seen the updated half-court offense stats. They were still dead last yes. in half-court offense headed into that game yesterday. So I, I don't think even in their heart of hearts, Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri think that there's the upside is anything other than being a team that can maybe battle for a home court advantage yeah. in the first round of the play. Yeah, like maybe right. getting outside of the playing tournament. But then you got to beat the middle ground teams. To. Like we haven't seen – the schedule has been like exceedingly difficult. And to only be six and seven and and – have a, a a pretty respectable record, five and four in November. Their losses coming to the Sixers, Bucks, and twice against the Celtics. Yep, like that's that's perfectly acceptable. But you gotta no more slip ups like you had against the Bulls. No more slip ups like you had against the Portland Trailblazers. You gotta pound the lesser lights into dust like they did mm-hmm. against the Detroit Pistons and a huge stretch against teams that are right in and around them in the meaty middle class of NBA teams. Yeah, and that's why this next game will actually be an interesting one, right? Like the Magic are kind of a perfect uh, a team for them, not just because of the Javon Suggs, Scotty Barnes Bowl, but it's a team that is right there with you. Now, they're, they've obviously gone about it very differently. They did not win a championship in 2019 or any time in their franchise's history, so they're still kind of in the upwards trajectory of building, but I, that's why I think the Magic game is actually a really, really interesting one. I agree. Uh, IST, the in-season tournament. We got to see it for the first time on Friday. 
the thing about the courts and the weirdness. Set, no, set it on fire. I never want to see that thing again. <laughs> why is it? Why? Why? Depra- I, I'm going to use the same terminology I use for the Leafs, like retro throwbacks they had that mm. one year. Depression era gray. What are we doing here? Did yeah. not like. And was it Jalen Brown who called the court unacceptable? It, he said something post game. I saw that. Yeah. It, yeah. If you got a brand new court and it looks ridiculous, that's all well and good. But it can't be potentially harmful to the players on the court. And well, the, guys were slip sliding all over the place. And they've had problems with this. I think it was the Mavericks in-season tournament game. They were supposed to play it on the new in-season tournament court. And they just said, ah, no good. We'll just play it on the regular one. Feels like that should be a pretty, uh, pretty safe backup plan. You know, maybe just use the court that you use all the time. Maybe it had something to do with the IST, but that was a, a, a highly competitive game on Friday. I I think you're honestly, can I be honest? Mm. If you're ripping the IST, you're kind of a loser. Like, like it's just let's accept it for what it is. And if it adds some juice to the regular season, yeah. all the better. Like the idea that you would dismiss it out of hand because oh, I never, this like is a lot of stupid. people, but like that was the, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that was far and away the prevailing sentiment heading into the season was that take with the in-season well, tournament. That, oh, like, this is dumb. Yeah, what do you think? This is the yeah. FA Cup. It's been around for a thousand years. I, Brent Gunning, came to the mic reminding you all of the things that just got started in sports that we all care so much about. So yeah, I I've, I've just want to let everyone yeah. know. All no, I'm not talking to you. I'm not calling you a loser. No, I'm, but I'm now talking to people. I'm like, all oh, you oh. rubes who are coming around, just know Brent was right on this one. Yeah, it's fine. It's perfectly, perfectly fine. But uh, Raptors need to run the table in their final three games of the round robin of the IST. All right. Ken Rosenthal, a little nugget on Alec Manoa, uh, Alec Manoa over the weekend. We'll talk to John Morosi later on in the program today. But here's the poll quote from Ken Rosenthal's latest Some rival executives speaking on condition of anonymity in order to avoid charges of tampering say the Blue Jays are open to moving right-hander Alec Manoa. How open remains to be seen. Mm, Is the door a little ajar? Is it just unlocked? Is it completely latched? Mm. So at last check, Alec Manoa was being demoted for a second time during Mm. the regular season for Hanjin Ryu, who was coming back from... Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was getting some platelet-rich uh, platelet injections. And he was going into an offseason in which his general manager said he had the leg up to be the fifth starter for this upcoming season. Had his worst season mm-hmm. by far yep. in the Major Leagues of Baseball after being a Cy Young Award contender for the first two years that he stepped onto a Major League Baseball field, mm-hmm. starting with game one of his entire career at Yankee Stadium. He's been nothing short of spectacular. This is the first major slip-up mm-hmm. over the course of an entire season for Alec Manoa. Brent, does it make sense to trade Alec Manoa this offseason? Nope. I don't think it makes a lick of sense. I don't think the guy completely forgot how to pitch. I don't think that he... I don't know that he ever gets back to the peak of his powers Manoa, but I also don't think you get peak of his powers Manoa trade value if you move him right now. I think that this is as low as it will get. I don't expect him to have another another down year. Uh, the other interesting thing I think about this, and this is, goes back to what we talked about with Shohei a little bit last week, is what does it mean? And I know part of it is that, look, a guy like Rosenthal or Morosi who we'll talk to later, ask you a question, you know, they have the respect and the clout that you're going to answer it. Like, there is something to it. I don't want to, you know, uh, poo-poo that part of it. 
But what does it mean if the Blue Jays are... Because if I'm a rival exec and either I want to get my hands on Manoa or, quite honestly, I just want to cause a little chaos within the division, within the league, I'd be mentioning Manoa's name. Because even if Manoa doesn't want to be a Blue Jay anymore, I could see a guy like him going, what, the Jays are open to trading me? How dare they think that about me? And all of a sudden, it just throws another little... No, throws another little log on the fire that is the relationship between the Jays and Manoa right now. So I wouldn't, I'm not saying you can't trade him. I just think for the value you're probably getting for him, it's not wise to do so. Where, where are you at? I think the relationship with Alec, between Alec Manoa and the Toronto Blue Jays is very fractured, yeah. obviously. But I also believe Blue Jays hold the hammer, by which I mean he's under team control. He's, this isn't the NBA. But yeah, he's, uh, he's under team control. There's only so much he can do, by which I mean there's nothing and he can do if he doesn't want to be a Blue Jay anymore. It's not a, it's not a little bit of team control. Like, it's baseball. It's oh, a yeah. long time. Yep, yep, yep. And I know some people will make the comparison to my discussion around Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as a potential trade candidate this offseason, talking about the low point in yes. his potential value. The, these two conversations could not be more diametrically opposed. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. certainly had a down year offensively. Mm-hmm. Without question. And considering the upside or lack thereof that you get defensively, both in yep. play and positional flexibility, that's a rough one. Like, the, the offensive bar is very high. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is still an above-average offensive player. Mm-hmm. And there are numbers and, and stat cast uh, evaluations that would lead you down the path of, of believing that, yeah, there was some level of luck involved to his... Anyways, there's you can make an argument that Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s season, the home road splits, was not as... I wouldn't make them, but right. there is an argument to be made that Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s 2023 was not so great. There's a non-zero chance Alec Manoa's done as a, being an effective Major League Baseball player. Like, that is... I don't think that that's the case, but there is... A history of pitchers just losing it. Yeah. Whether it's physical reasons, whether it's between the years, whatever. And guys that have reached the heights of Alec Manoa in two years. Yep. If I'm another major league executive, mm. I know that that's a possibility. How could you give up anything, honestly, other than something low, low, low bar, low down the pecking yeah. order, something that's not major league ready for Alec Manoa? Now, can Alec Manoa step into a rotation spot in 2024 and be close to the guy he was? Yeah, of course that's possible. I'm just saying the idea that it's a guarantee or that the likelihood of him being at least a major league average starting pitcher is the same likelihood as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being that next season. It's not even close. Like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be at least a league average hitter. Like Mm -hmm. there's just no question about it. Alec Manoa might be waving goodbye to his Major League Baseball career. Again, I don't predict that. Right. But it in the history of Major League Baseball, that does happen. Like, guys just fall off the face of the planet. So will you you would trade him or you wouldn't? How could you possibly trade him? Unless okay. you have, Thank like, you. a total... Just wanted to, just wanted to make well, sure we're on the same page But I, you know who knows the things that I just said? Yeah, of course. Anybody that's spent a lifetime in baseball, yeah. like all these executives yeah. have, there's... They, they, they've seen what he did when he was sent down right. to the, the Florida Complex League, giving up a trillion home run or a trillion runs in half an inning, yes, right? Like they 17 year olds, yeah. They saw him come back and like look like half decent against what was it, the Tigers, but still look like the guy who couldn't find mm-hmm. the broadside of a barn. They also look at the two years that he had that were successful in the major leagues in, 
you know, wondering how exactly he was able to do it without throwing upper 90s oh, yeah. and and without like a ton of control and hitting all the batters that he hit and said, well, <laughs> congratulations, you're just like a great competitor. And then it all came crashing down and saying, ooh, maybe there is like a, yeah, a, a, it all a leveling out and it making a little more sense. But yeah, I, I again, I don't want to throw dirt on Alec Manoa, but I think everybody understands that this is a guy that needs a total reclamation. He's at the exact same point. In fact, he's got a leg up on, on Yusei Kikuchi because he has done it for right. an entire season. Yusei Kikuchi had only done it for like a half season mm-hmm. when the Blue Jays went out and got him in free agency as he departed the Seattle Mariners. There's a better likelihood that Alec Manoa can can bounce back next season than Yusei Kikuchi, but the, the possibilities for him are very, very wide. Uh, All I could think, and not that I wasn't listening to you, but as you were laying out the case for why not to, is, God, did the Jays need those old Moneyball scouts to trade with? Going, ah, look at his moxie. I like the the way he looked at me. Oh, he shook his hand. He shook my hand so hard. Tough for the old baseball guys when he got upset when he got sent down to the Mm, minor leagues. That's very true. And, uh, you know, we know it was a big, big point of uh, things in Moneyball. I do not know what his significant other looks like. Mm. And that was a a very big part. You don't know? She's very visible. They're engaged now, if not married. This will shock you. Uh, My... Instagram and Twitter algorithm, you know, it keeps you Blue don't Jay- follow Alec Manoa. It keeps Blue Jays in Blue Jays time. How does it, it do that? Be- because I put up walls, <laughs> steel walls. I don't. I, again, it's too busy thinking I'm going to go to jail one day because it's always like, hey, here's how you make a burrito using prison rice or whatever. Again, strange. I don't know why my Instagram algorithm keeps feeding me that, but I mean, I'm now fine that with it. Now that we're talking about social media, I will mm. say it's a little bit on my radar that hey, Alec Manoa has done some retweeting. Over the last couple of months, Ooh. but his last tweet was October 24th until yesterday he Are tweeted. Get, oh, I was going to, can I guess? Is like innocuous, but like. Oh, I was hoping we were going to get just like the, the emoji that's like uh, puffs of smoke out of the nose no. of like grind time. Oh, well, yeah, actually that would have been a good guess. Would have liked that one. It is somewhat similar. 18 hours ago. Happy Sunday. God bless y'all on this beautiful day. That's pretty nice. That's very nice. What's the subliminal meaning? What's he trying to say? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure teams are coming, calling on Alec Manoa and wondering if the relationship is so fractured that the Blue Jays say, we can't, we can't abide mm-hmm. another second with this guy. Get him the hell out of here. But I doubt that they're doing that. What they're more likely doing is saying, hey, can this guy bounce back? And if he can, what a, what a yeah. bonus to have a, another top of the rotation starter who's a question mark but could absolutely compete with Kevin Cosman uh, atop this rotation. Totally could. And uh, just as a quick aside, uh, Nola getting paid yesterday, not that, you know, I understand inflation prices go up, but that only makes the Gosman deal look better and oh, better. Yeah. Gosman's like 5-115 and Nola's yeah. like 5-170 something. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty good. Kevin Gosman deal, good. Yes. And you know what? It was <laughs> worth reminding... Um, People that the Matt Chapman deal was also very good. While great he, trade, he, great contract. He departs in free agency. There's only Gunnar Henderson uh, or uh, Gunnar Hoagland. Uh, sorry, mm. not Gunnar. It would have been I was a really bad say, trade if they gave up like, Gunnar Henderson. And how did he get there? <laughs> no. the two bad trades. A uh, highly regarded prospect who has not uh, produced the minor leagues. So the only guy remaining on the Oakland side of things in and the Matt Chapman trade. Just a quick little bow on the Manoa. Uh, piece four years left to team control pre-arb this year then three are or pre-arb year coming up and then three arb years after that yeah he's still cheap um but a big season for him all right when we come back 
when do Ryan Reeves and John Klingberg get back in the lineup? Uh, Did they come back? <laughs> we'll talk about that and also talk to our pal Gord Stelic next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.